The special session of the Kansas legislature is over, and it was special in the sense that the political discord that caused it was largely absent. As a compromised COVID-19 response bill hammered out by Democratic Governor Laura Kelly and Republican legislative leaders held, allowing lawmakers to quickly wrap up their work. By the virtue and authority vested in me as Speaker of the House of Representatives in the 2020 special session, I now declare the House adjourned, signing die. I'm Jim McLean, and this is Statehouse Blend, a podcast from the Kansas News Service. To start us out, Kansas Public Radio Statehouse reporter Stephen Caranda joins me for a quick overview of what happened and what didn't during the two days lawmakers were back in Topeka. Hi, Stephen. Hi there, Jim. You know, Stephen, there were times when I thought the political wrangling that led to the special session was going to take over, like when the Senate rejected Governor Kelly's nomination of uh, Carl Folsom III to serve on the Kansas Court of Appeals. I thought that might send things off the rails. But legislative leaders pretty much stuck to the script they wrote with Kelly in the days before lawmakers returned, at least in terms of the main business at hand, and that was extending the emergency disaster declaration that allows Kelly, with legislative oversight, to manage the state's uh, response to COVID-19. Is that about right? Yeah, and for those who don't know, uh, after the governor vetoed the plan lawmakers previously passed that clamped down on her ability to respond to the coronavirus, she called this meeting with some uh, legislative leaders about the issue, and they ultimately found out they had some common ground, and then they drafted this compromise you were just talking about. And leaders were really strict in both chambers on rejecting amendments to keep kind of this fragile compromise intact. So they passed it, and the governor has indicated that she'll sign it. Uh, let's go back just a second, though. That's right. Uh, but but why did the Senate reject Kelly's Court of Appeals nominee? There were a couple different arguments made. Uh, some lawmakers argued that he had mostly uh, experience as a public defender, so his experience wasn't that broad. Others pointed out that he had donated to the governor's campaign and they thought maybe he wouldn't be fair. Boy, Governor Kelly really pushed back hard against this. She said that they were inserting politics into the process and they were rejecting a really highly qualified nominee. Why they did this, I don't know. Sounds like politics to me. When you've got a man as qualified as this and as good a person as this, uh, to let him become the collateral damage in your political games is absolutely wrong. That didn't then send things off the rails, as I indicated earlier. They kind of got back to the main business at hand, which was that COVID-19 response legislation. So what was in the bill that lawmakers passed? How is it different from the one that you referenced that the governor vetoed uh, which, of course, that veto necessitated the special session. There are actually a lot of similarities between this bill and the previous one that she vetoed, uh, but there are some key differences. Uh, Number one, this extends the disaster declaration uh, that Kelly issued to respond to the coronavirus until September, meaning the governor's orders that do things like delay tax filing deadlines and a bunch of other stuff, all those will stay intact and she can issue new orders, but lawmakers will get to review those. Uh, She cannot limit gatherings of people or close businesses until after September 15th under this agreement. The idea there is that if there's a second wave of coronavirus cases, it will hopefully be after that, so then the governor can respond if needed at that point. But really the biggest difference here is lawmakers and the governor together will now have control over $1.25 billion in federal coronavirus aid to Kansas. The previous bill would have taken it away from the governor's office and let lawmakers have all the authority over spending it, but now they will share that authority. 
Another big issue of contention was over what to include in the liability section of that bill. In other words, who and what to protect from COVID-related lawsuits. Yes. So the bill provides uh, businesses some protections from lawsuits if customers or employees get sick. Basically, the business is protected if they're following, you know, basic safety recommendations. Healthcare providers also have some liability protections, and in some cases, companies that manufacture protective equipment can't be held liable if it turns out uh, to be faulty. Kind of the biggest fight was over whether nursing homes or higher education should get broad protections from liability, uh, but those ultimately were not included in the bill. So this abbreviated 2020 session is now over, officially in the books. It was eventful, but not terribly productive. No Medicaid expansion, no tax breaks. Yeah, and and a lot of other things, too. No medical marijuana, no constitutional amendment on abortion. There are quite a few big issues that people were expecting would get additional work this year, and they kind of just got pushed aside uh, because the session was cut short by the coronavirus. Uh, but there was a big piece of legislation that did make it through, a new 10-year, $10 billion transportation plan. Although now that we are facing a budget deficit caused by the coronavirus next year, uh, who knows if all the funding that's part of that plan is actually going to materialize. Thanks, Stephen, for helping us sort things out during this very unusual session of the Kansas legislature. Uh, This interim is also bound to be busier than usual, so I'm sure we'll chat with you from time to time as we head into election season and then get ready for the 2021 session. So thanks a bunch, Stephen. Hey, thank you. The 2020 session of the Kansas legislature will always be known as the coronavirus session. It opened with the promise of progress on the contentious issue of Medicaid expansion. Democratic Governor Laura Kelly and Republican Senate Majority Leader Jim Denning struck a deal, a bipartisan compromise to expand health coverage to more than 130,000 additional low-income Kansans. Here's Denning from the news conference held to announce the deal. I can't thank Governor Kelly enough for sitting down and working through this in a methodical manner. There's lots of things that she agreed to, and there's lots of things that I agreed to. There were a few things that we didn't, but in the spirit of compromise and governing, we have a really good, complete plan for Kansas. But the expansion bill never made it to a vote. It was sidetracked by the politics of abortion. Senate President Susan Wagle, a Wichita Republican, took a stand. No vote on expansion unless and until a constitutional amendment on abortion was advanced to the August primary ballot. The proposed amendment, she said, was needed to counter a Kansas Supreme Court decision that essentially guaranteed abortion rights. We have reasonable restrictions in Kansas on abortions that are widely accepted by Kansans, and all we want to do is keep the right to legislate abortion in the state of Kansas. The Senate passed the amendment, but it fell just short in the House when three moderate Republicans refused to vote for it unless it was moved to the November general election ballot. Representative Tom Phillips from Manhattan was one of those no votes. It's such a divisive issue, abortion is, in our society, that I think that when you're changing the state constitution, you should encourage the greatest level of voter participation, which occurs in the general election. Legislative leaders were attempting to negotiate an end to the impasse when the coronavirus hit. Governor Kelly closed schools and issued a statewide stay-at-home order. Lawmakers rushed to pass a budget before they left for home. But some Republicans, like Senator Rob Olson from Olathe, thought the governor was overreacting. I don't want anybody to die. I don't want anybody to get this virus. But we can't close this country down. 
Everybody can't stay home. Several tense weeks followed as Republican lawmakers questioned whether Kelly's shutdown of the state was necessary to check the spread of the virus. Record numbers of Kansans filed for unemployment, overwhelming the Department of Labor's ability to process them. Yesterday, between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m., we received 211,520 attempted calls. The Kansas Supreme Court had to settle a dispute between Kelly and Republican leaders over whether she had the power to limit church attendance. And when lawmakers returned for a one-day wrap-up session, they worked through the night on legislation to rein in Kelly's emergency powers. We won't uh, allow one dictator to determine everything. We will have a check and a balance of powers. Kelly vetoed that bill and called the legislature back for the special session. Heading into it, she said negotiations with GOP leaders had been more civil and productive. Communication lines are back open. And there appears to be a good faith effort on both sides. That optimism proved warranted. Aside from the Senate's rejection of Kelly's Court of Appeals nominee, lawmakers pretty much stuck to the negotiated script in passing a new COVID-19 response bill. It preserves the governor's authority to deal with the public health emergency, but gives lawmakers more oversight. After years of working to bridge the partisan divide, Representative Don Heineman, the leader of a dwindling group of moderate Republicans, is retiring. A farmer from Dighton in western Kansas, Heineman served in county and city government before he got elected to the legislature a dozen years ago. So he knows a little something about governing, about compromising to get things done. But as he leaves the legislature, he says there is no longer much willingness to meet in the middle. We have seen an increase in divisiveness, in gotcha politics during my 12 years, and even starting before that, obviously. But um, it, it's really disappointing that that, that uh, impacts the process of making policy for, for the good of all Kansans. There are outside forces that really have a outsized power and influence over the process I think that's always been true, but I think it's it's more true now, and that's really unfortunate that their voices are so much louder than the voices of the people of the state of Kansas. Topping the list of interest groups with, quote, outsized power, Heinemann says, are Americans for Prosperity and the Kansas Chamber of Commerce, two pro-business anti-tax groups connected to the powerful Coke political machine. It's really unfortunate in my view. There is absolutely a need for a strong statewide Chamber of Commerce and they do a lot of good. I, I recognize that. Um, and every year they issue their agenda, their political agenda, and I leaf through it. It's usually about eight pages long, and I'm nodding my head in agreement with most of it until I get to the, the page about taxes. Um, and that's where we disagree. I, we have an obligation to fund state government to provide the, the services that the people of the state uh, expect and uh, deserve. And because of that one single issue, they they try to take out people like me. Every election cycle, they do it, and they will do it again this year. They will try to defeat people who disagree with them on that single issue of taxes, but agree with them on the other pages of their agenda. Several times in recent years, Heinemann bucked his party on high-profile issues. As majority leader, he voted to repeal former Governor Sam Brownback's destabilizing tax cuts. And last year, he led an end-of-session insurrection aimed at forcing an up-or-down vote on Medicaid expansion. That effort failed, and Heinemann was stripped of his committee chairmanship. But he says he doesn't regret it. 
you get to the point to where this job is not the important, most important thing in, in the world to me. And why am I here? I'm here to make a difference and do the right thing. And uh, that makes it easier to take those positions and make those votes when you feel it's necessary. This year, Heinemann helped keep an abortion ban off the ballot. The push for a constitutional amendment came after a state Supreme Court ruling that basically guaranteed abortion rights in Kansas. Heinemann was one of only three Republicans to vote against the amendment. He was okay with putting the issue up for a vote on the general election ballot, but not the summer primary, when fewer people show up at the polls. Putting it on the August ballot is absolutely the wrong approach for something that serious, that monumental, that impactful to the state of Kansas. And I, I just could not uh, get myself to vote for that. Um, it's unfortunate. I would still vote for the amendment if it was put on the November ballot. Uh, but uh, the forces that be, primarily Kansans for Life, are totally unbending. They would not stand for that, and I, I do not get that. And uh, because of their uncompromising nature, they have lost that issue for this session and possibly for years to come. So you took the stand on Medicaid expansion. You voted against the constitutional amendment on abortion. If you had not decided to retire, you think you could win re-election? I'm not sure I could, Jim. And, and I'll tell you that I made the decision to retire almost two years ago. So that was locked in before we ever got into the controversy over the abortion amendment. But my district is very, very heavily uh, pro-life. And I made a lot of my constituents unhappy with my vote. I'm not sure if I could be re-elected. Some high-profile moderate Republicans have bolted to the Democratic Party in recent years. State Senator Barbara Bollier, the likely Democratic nominee for the U.S. Senate, among them. But Heinemann says he's staying put. I will remain a Republican. I will not let the far right overtake my party and dominate it. Uh, there's a place for those of us in the center, um, and that's the rightful place for Republican politics, especially in the state of Kansas. Representative Don Heineman, a moderate Republican and former majority leader who's retiring after a dozen years of fighting to steer Kansas politics back to the center. That's a wrap on the 2020 session. If you're listening, you're obviously interested in Kansas politics, so keep listening to your favorite public radio station for updates as we turn our attention to the upcoming primary and general elections. And check in with us at ksnewsservice.org. Signing off in Topeka, I'm Jim McLean. Statehouse Blend Kansas is a production of the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations across the state. Our theme music was provided by Nameless Dancers. I'm Ben Stanton. I help with audio production for the podcast. Follow the Kansas News Service at ksnewsservice.org and subscribe to Statehouse Blend wherever you get your podcasts. 